It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome to the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor, along with Jed Musi, Local 12 sports producer, anchor, and reporter. As the Bengals get set to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers in Monday Night Football, and Jed, they... Right or wrong, I'm not so sure this is a good football team, but they have battled themselves back into the playoff picture. And while Monday's not completely make or break, Monday is a big step towards keeping yourself maybe in this till the very end. Yeah, and Marvin said after the game Sunday, we don't get too many do-overs. So I think this team is considering it a make or break. Obviously, five and seven, you know, you have to win out at that you, point. You would have to win out. So and that would include a win at Minnesota. A win would certainly help here. Um, it's it's not make or break, but I think this team realizes that it, that it, for all intents and purposes is they're still in it with a loss. But at some point, you've got to you've got to step up against a good team. Absolutely, that's that, yeah. terrible. No, I mean the, 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 the wins at this point. You have two over the worst team in football that doesn't right. have a win. A win over Indy, which is awful. Um, a win over Denver, which is now proven to be awful. I mean, you don't have the, the Buffalo win is a good win, but you're at least on par with them. And being at home, you should win that game, which you did. Um, so, yeah, I mean, against the good teams, they've not been able to finish or get over the hump. Jacksonville at Jacksonville. They were in the game for a good chunk of it. The punt return finally took them out of it, couldn't win it. Tennessee, you need, you, you somehow made a play. A.J. Green makes a great play to give you the lead, and then your defense, which had played great in the second half, couldn't hold them on a, on a drive. You, you have to get it done. And I think there's a difference between being, quote-unquote, in a game and being in a game where you're within a score just because the other team can't do anything. And th- that is a credit to the Bengals' defense. But a lot of these games, the Steeler game, the first time around against these guys, the Bengals were in that game in the sense that the Steelers couldn't do anything offensively. But it never felt like they were in the game in the second half of the No, but they were within a right. score. No, you're right. You're right. You know, however late into that game that they were, and then the sacks started piling up, the, the interceptions started piling up. So... I think when you say, oh, the Bengals were in this game, the Bengals were in this game, they weren't in the Jack. They were in the game in Jacksonville just because there wasn't anything going on on the other side. It was two teams holding serve yeah. for, for a while. So that's sort of the, the build-up to this game, if you're, if you're looking at it positively on the Bengals fan side, is saying, you know, if the ball bounces our way against, against Tennessee, we get that game. If if A.J. Green doesn't get kicked out, we potentially have a chance to get that. I think there are too many ifs there sure. to really be super confident about this team going into Monday night. All right, let's look uh, back before we look ahead. Uh, Bengals do beat Cleveland 30-16. to there, there was some good. Um, there's also some bad, especially defensively, that we'll touch on here in a minute. Let's look at the, at the good, a rare 100-yard rushing game. Joe Mixon goes over the 100-yard mark. Um, first time this season the Bengals have done it. First time they've done it since Rex Burkhead did it in the, in the finale against Baltimore last year. And, and I, I know people in the circles go, oh, it's just the Browns. The Browns did come in leading the NFL defensively in yards per attempt at 3.0. And I thought the Bengals, I thought they changed their blocking scheme a little bit with a little more drive blocking, a little more hat on a hat, and, and for once won the point of attack. I can't guarantee they're doing that every week, and I sure as heck can't guarantee that they're, they're going to do that against Pittsburgh. But at least there was a little sign of life in the running game. And there was really even a little sign of life at times in the Denver game, even though the final numbers were just awful, 26 for 49. Some of that came from kneel downs, and some of it came from negative plays. But there were a handful of three, four, five-yard Joe Mixon runs where you saw some sign of life, especially in a, in a big second-half drive. But the, the running game at least gives you something to say, okay, they've done it, now can you do it again? 
Yeah, I, I was I was somewhat surprised that the Browns only only allowed whatever it was three, on the three ground. Point that has to be due to Neil Bounds. <laughs> I mean, that's there's a lot of vi- there's, there's a lot of victory formation against them. <laughs> there's a ton of victory formation against the Browns, and I, that, I mean because that just boggles my mind that 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 team is good at anything is is remarkable. Um, yeah, can they do it again? Can they do it against a team like the Steelers? I mean, the Browns, the, the Browns personnel, Miles Garrett is, is still coming along. Emmanuel Ogba was hurt. All you hear about is how Danny Shelton's an immovable object in the middle. Yeah, I just, I, I don't think that, that running, I don't think a good running performance against the Browns is worth anything. You mentioned Burkhead getting 100 on the ground. The last three, or three out of the last four times. Were against Cleveland. Were against Cleveland. And Jeremy, so, big, big Jeremy O games. He was so, all those games. Yeah, and... That to me is just uh, you. There's no clear indication, in my opinion, that if you do something against the Browns, that doesn't really. But prove the one thing anything. though, yeah, the one thing though, I, I really do like. Is I, I like Joe Mixon's patience of late. I, I think he's doing a good job of uh, of turning a two yard run into a four, a three into a five, a negative one into a one, and he's done that at times this year. But and, and look. I think he's going to hit a home run at some point because he's starting to get a little more second-level runs where now it's up to him to run over a guy or make a guy miss or run away from people. But I think he's doing a really good job of helping that running game too. In fact, I think Pro Football Focus, um, the stat from the game for him, again, I thought the line was really good. I, I give credit where credit's due. They've, they've been awful for the most part all year in run blocking. They've gotten better in pass blocking. Um, but Joe Mixon, 2.8 yards after contact, that's a pretty good number. Yeah. And he's he's running a lot like we're going to see number twenty four in, in black and yellow right. do it. He twenty six, twenty six, not twenty four. Whoever twenty four is, my apologies. Le'Veon Bell runs runs the same way. I mean, it's it, they they run in a way where if you were coaching football, you wouldn't be inclined to show them how they because you don't want that type right. of patience. They they know how to push the envelope on any given play to know how much time they have left. To make something happen, and normally it's hey, it's the NFL. If you see a window, you've got to hit that window because it's going to be gone, and you're not going to be able to do anything outside of that. So you have to identify and go. And there, there are certain runners that have the finesse about them to realize that maybe if this play develops a little more, I can do something different. We sat with Marvin yesterday for Bengals Nation. He telestrated some plays, and he he made it apparent to us that. These are the design of the play, but Joe Mixon is good enough to go outside of the design. And you can see that Saturday night at 11.30. He has an ability that I don't think you can teach. I think it's just an innate ability that allows him to know that he sees it well enough that if he can... If he can wait a second, where normally he should... There's a cutback lane here. There's something there. Yeah, there's a cutback lane here. There's a cutback lane there. In fact... There were a couple runs on Sunday he actually missed that. You're not going to hit him every time. That, you know, eventually the more he sees it, the more he's around it. I think he does have a chance to make some even bigger cutback runs, which which would be a big help. The, the other positive is, and I, I know fans don't don't like to hear this because he's the favorite whipping boy, but Andy Dalton of late has been consistently good, consistently oh, yeah. solid. He's now gone 140 straight passes without an interception. The last interception he threw actually was in the third quarter at Pittsburgh. Passer rating over the last five games is 104.9. In that span, nine touchdowns and, as I mentioned, no interceptions. And he's, he's really doing it with, with, with A.J. Green and then piecemeal around it. And the good part about the piecemeal around it is you're getting some plays from some other receivers. 
You got a nine-yard gain on a first down on a third and nine to Tyler Boyd. Touchdown pass to Tyler Boyd. A third down completion to Alex Erickson. Um, he tried to hit Josh Malone on the deep ball, and, and Josh Malone almost made a great catch despite having his arm pinned and having to make a, a one-arm effort at it and made a really good play. Um, you know, Brandon Lafell's made a couple of big catches. It, it's, it's not consistent on the other side, but you're starting to get a few guys around it. And I guess the good part is for Andy, it gives him the chance to trust some of those guys, and they're coming up big for him. You know, a friend of mine sent me a sort of this. This is a this is big this time of year and towards the NCAA basketball tournament where you have blind resumes. Andy Dalton, over the last five games, has completed fifty nine percent of his passes at seven yards, seven point six yards per attempt, nine touchdowns, zero interceptions, passer rating of one hundred four point nine. Yes, that's better than Carson Wentz. Yes, over that same span, and Carson Wentz is the darling of the NFL and probably. If not the leading candidate for MVP, he's number two behind right. Tom Brady. Right. So he's had better numbers in the past week. And you can talk about opponents and, and the teams that they faced. But you're talking about, for the most part, with no running game. With no running game and an offensive line that is... They've gotten better pass-blocking-wise. They've allowed, I think it's now nine sacks in the last five games and, and less pressures. I think that's helped, too. I think they've done some stuff with play-action passes that have really helped kind of slow the rush. I think it's been a nice mixture of the line getting better in pass-blocking Bill Lazor's use of some play-action stuff to slow the rush down, and Andy trusting to go other places when they teams have decided we're taking 18 away from you. Tyler Boyd has woken up, maybe. Yeah. Maybe it's a sign he scores against the Browns. Maybe he can uh, become a bigger factor. It, to me, it, he, he has played, he's played well, and he hasn't thrown an interception, as you mentioned. I think both, or at least one of the, one of those interceptions was picked off of A.J. Green's back. It was, yes. And yeah. another one was tipped. I mean, well, he threw, one, he's bad, he threw one of the two bad balls there. He got a couple, he got one tipped in the, in the, in the ball. Probably out of the eight interceptions, five were his fault. So, and that's not a bad number. Close to that, yeah. He's, he's had some bad luck with throws. And, and, and the funny part is, I, I just, I, I, I guess I've, I've written this, I've said it on the podcast, nobody wants to hear it. They all made up their own mind on, on who they want to have to be the quarterback. But since the start of the 2015 season, Andy Dalton is the number eight rated passer in the NFL. That's pretty good. I, whether you like passer rating or not, right. it's a metric that shows, guess who's number one? It's Tom Brady. And just start the pecking order of the quarterbacks you know going down. The only one that's a little oddball in the group is Alex Smith is one spot ahead of him. And I'm not sure Alex Smith is much more than a game manager type guy. I think we're starting to see that again. But that that's a consistent period of time where the guy's been good. Does he have that? Sure, every quarterback does. Get over it. But it, it, it still, it's, it's still the debate. I listened to the post-game show on, on Sunday night as I was driving to do the Sports Authority, and people after that game, in which the guy now has gone five games without throwing an interception, nine touchdowns in that span, a pass rating of 104.9, still were clamoring for A.J. McCarron, the quarterback. Yeah. God, Shane, what we got in that guy? Can't let him go without seeing him. Can't we see him? Good God. Give it a rest. <laughs> It, it, it all boils down to, and this is this has been. I heard Bill, from, heard Bill from Randy. I had a couple of pops. AJ McCann will be a quarterback on this team. That old Randy Dalton ain't going to do nothing. You know, it's it's crazy that the fan base is. Every fan base has has those guys. I was listening to Feinbaum the other day, and people were talking about how Gus Malzahn still deserves to be fired. You know, it's just two games that he, it's just two games that he beat Georgia, Georgia and Alabama. Alabama. That's all. Yeah, They're both that's just number one in the country. And, and right now they'd be in the college football playoff. Yeah, but yeah, he never needs, mind. He needs to go. So every fan base has Looney Tunes like that. Um, AJ McCarron doesn't. AJ McCarron has come out and said, "I don't deserve to play over Andy Dalton." And he means that. <laughs> he really does. Yeah. Does he want to play? No doubt. 
But he knows that. Yeah, and, uh, you know, much was made of Hugh Jackson and, and Jimmy Haslam running up to him pregame and, and shaking hands and what they said they were talking about Auburn Alabama. They weren't talking about okay. Auburn Alabama. What do you think A.J. McCarron actually thought when he watched that game? Sunday. Do you think that in his heart of hearts? No, as I'm watching the conversation on Sunday, I'm, I'm in the press box right. watching it through my through my binoculars. My thought is, guys, I appreciate you trying to get me, but God, thank God you didn't. I really appreciate you guys bungling that for me. Thank you. And if if he didn't say that initially at 11 o'clock, he probably found them after the game at 4 o'clock and said that. Or said, listen, if they put a second round tender on me, please don't. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> I just, I mean, there, there's no way you can convince me that, number one, the Bengals shouldn't have taken a second and third round pick and ran. They were going to run with it. They were absolutely going to run with it. And on the same side, you can't convince me that A.J. McCarron comes into Bengals Stadium, you know, Paul Brown Stadium and wins that game. No! Actually, Deshaun, Deshaun Kaiser probably had his best game, right? I would... I would say so that, that was the indie game. He played pretty good in the second half of the indie when he brought right, him back. Right. I would say he's played his best game when a team wasn't disinterested. Yeah. And maybe you could say that the Bengals were disinterested because there was a lull there for a while where it was just sort of going through the paces when it was thirty nine or, or whatever it was, twenty three to nine. Twenty three to nine they made it twenty three sixteen. And yeah. it was you know, it was a snoozer there for a while. Uh, but he had a, the the one throw and now that Corey Coleman's back, he Coleman and Kaiser in the preseason looked like they had some sort of connection and, and you know relationship that they could trust each other. And then Coleman gets hurt. He made that one throw that was off his back foot that was... The one in the end zone? No, it was the one down uh, the sideline. I can't remember. The one in the end zone, Coleman, that, that Coleman should have caught. Right. There was one down the sideline. I think it was down the Bengals sideline. The one he connected on? Yes. Yeah, the one he Drake and Patrick. Right. Just ran right by. And, yeah. and that was a great... A great throw. It was a great throw. And he didn't have a lot of time. Yeah, because uh, I think it was Geno Atkins decked him right as he threw it. Right. So, he, you know, and, and the way he got rid of that ball, I said, oh, that, that, that that's not going to have enough on it to get to the receiver. And it, it certainly did. No, and so, the, the thing is, they're going to get a chance to see, I don't know if he's got what he's got left in the tank, and he may come back and be great, but you get a chance to see Corey Coleman and Josh Gordon, and, and maybe they, they look and they've got a tandem for the future. I mean, um, maybe that's what would, maybe that's what A.J. McCarron was talking to him about if you can show me Josh Gordon can play, and I can keep watching Corey Coleman. I'll come sign with you guys in the offseason. Yeah, Coleman isn't dealing drugs. and Give me Gordon. Gordon. Let's yeah, yeah, not point the figure the wrong guy. Having a, having a person making, retention problem. Dude was making 10 grand a month. Yeah. Selling it. Hard to turn that down. It's hard to turn that down. Getting weed mailed to it. Pretty Go, Going to entrepreneur, uh, man. Going to class at Baylor with Minute Made full of, you know, screwdrivers. Gin juice, baby. Holy Rock God. it out. Um, the, the negative for the Bengals of late, though, and I, I, I like this defense. I've been a big fan of this defense, but they've gotten pushed around a little bit. It's been a lot of bend and not break, but when you start to see the yardage numbers pile up, since the bye week, Pittsburgh, 420 yards. Indian at Woeful Offense had 331. Jacksonville, 408. Tennessee, 416. Denver's awful offense still had 341. And Cleveland's awful offense had 405. And the rushing numbers... 152, 115, 149, 180, 112, 169. And now you're facing arguably the best offense you faced since 084, since you last played Pittsburgh, which racked up 420 on you. I don't know what changes. Well, and not only that, I mean, if you just looked at those numbers, that's bad enough. But you're talking about a team without Leonard Fournette. Right. Jacksonville. Right. You're talking about um, Isaiah Crowell. 
Marlon Mack. Uh, you know, C.J. Anderson's okay, but uh, this is not. There, there are a lot of good running backs in the NFL, and the Bengals haven't faced any of them, right. and they've all made them look bad. Yeah, and the last one they faced, Le'Veon Bell, went for well over 100. I mean, yeah. it was less than four yards a pop, but they were able to keep grinding out the running game. But if you watch that game, he had so many back-breaking runs. No doubt. And so many, you know, early on that screen where Vigil kind of evacuated the area where he should have been, he kissed and that screen. And he's getting stiff on the play. Then he goes, you know, he had so many runs where, okay, it may not be five, six yards, but it's enough for a first down, or it's enough for a second and six, or it's, you know, along those lines. He has a, He's fantastic at doing that. And, and the Broncos, to me, watching them play, and we didn't have a chance to recap that game, I don't know that they're as bad as everyone says they are at times, at least with Osweiler. He either makes an F throw or an A plus throw. Correct. It's and that's, there's no that's in why, between. That's why he was intoxicating for a team to sign for the money they signed him for. Yeah. He's got size. He makes big throws at times, but he also does some of the dumbest damn things you can imagine a quarterback doing. But he can't he can't make a throw that is like just a little bit behind the receiver where he has to adjust and okay, maybe that's kind of a C throw. He either makes throws that are so bad right. and in that game against the Bengals. His throws are either so bad, or that one touchdown he threw that ended up getting them within... It was a great throw. It was a great throw. Got within 2017. That was an incredible throw. And I think at times that offense can can be, because they do have some parts, and, and Emmanuel Sanders the week before with Denver had a really good game against the Steelers. So... The, the offense, that offense isn't typically as bad as people would say it is, but again, there is no sign that this defense is going to rise to the occasion on Monday. Yeah, the only thing I think of, and, and I'll go back to, and they played so much nickel, but they've also had a lot of flux at linebacker. I mean, Kevin Miller got hurt in the Pittsburgh game, hurt his elbow, just came back for the first time in this game. Then Nick Vigil goes out with an ankle injury in this game. Vontez Burfick was in the middle for a while. Now he's back to the weak line, the will linebacker spot, which is kind of the playmaker linebacker spot. I, I, I look back at the games before that when they when they had their regular linebacking core of Vigil and the strong, um, Minter in the middle, and and Burfick at the, at the will. And, and the games before that, Buffalo had 82 yards rushing. The Browns, 45. Green Bay, 64. I just wonder if there's just been so much of a flux. I'm going to talk to Paul Gunther on Thursday about this, um, and, and he's usually good about answering this kind of stuff, is – not looking for an excuse, but the fact that they just had to plug and play so many different guys that you just don't have a consistent group. Because that front group, I think, is good enough that it's not them that is giving up the run plays as much as it really is maybe the linebacking group and the run fit part of it. It takes it takes seven. I mean, it takes it's not just the the front four. It's it's everybody, and there that's a fantastic point that. They've had to operate on the fly. They had to operate on the fly in the Denver game. Right. People were, were dropping, dropping them like out flies. They were. So um, <clears throat> I do think that front four is is good enough. I think I think they've managed to get production out of Pat Sims. I mean, they they they've got great stuff out of Lawson and, and Gino has has been Gino maybe less at times than in years past. But yeah, those linebackers need to get figured out. My question is going to be. When the lights come on and they're the only game in town, is perfect more inclined? That that's the less same. inclined. It, it, it's it's a great question. The, the penalty he got on Sunday, the, the league opted um, not to suspend him, nor should they have. No. In fact, it really was an iffy penalty at that. 
but I do wonder, you're right, the lights are on. Um, things aren't maybe going well. How does he react? How does he react? I think he's more this is, this is this is a this is as good a test as you can put in front of somebody, man. Is how yeah, and I I'm I think I'll let you finish your answer, but I think yeah. I know where you're going with it. Yeah, I just I think he's I, I the two school of thoughts is he knows the spotlight's going to be on him and he's he's going to go out of his way to behave, or he's he's going to get caught up in the moment and, and something's going to happen. Yeah, the, the other part is I, I wonder because he. He's looked disinterested at times as a player. Had a really good game in Denver. Really good game. Didn't have such a great game this past week against Cleveland. I wonder that the flip side is, do the bright lights really, and he's back at that playmaking position, the will linebacker. He's not in the middle um, where he just he just kind of struggled. It was plugging and playing for, for Mincer. I wonder, though, it, with seeing, seeing the, the black and gold and Monday night, if he doesn't play out of his mind. And that's a possibility, too. And they need him to. That is a possibility. And I think he played middle against Denver, did he not, with yes. Evans? Yes. Yeah. So he has, you're right, he likes playing that well, but he was very complimentary after the game of Evans, saying that he could trust him. And, and right. That's yet another Bengals rookie that is that is making an impact on this team. I, You would hope, as a Bengals fan, that, this, that he will rise to the occasion. There's not a single person in that stadium. There's not a single person listening to this podcast that doesn't think that something is going, that something is liable to happen if they get down. If they get down early and fight their way back, and there's a moment there, you know, I, I don't know if Perfect's going to be able to to control himself. But it's it's you've got to think that this is going to be a point of emphasis again for them this week because right, wrong, or indifferent. He, he cannot seem to just get out of that spotlight. And this is going to be a game where the league office says we're no tolerance, zero tolerance no policy. No question. So it's going to be a quick it's going to be a quick hook for him if something if anything happens. All right, the, the Steeler team early in the year, Ben was 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 even questioning whether he should be playing at that five interception game against Jacksonville. Um, the question was, you know, it, it, people wondering aloud if he's done. He wondered aloud to himself as he's if he's done. Since then, though, he has played really well. Passer rating well over 100 in the last six games combined. He's thrown in that in that span 14 touchdown passes and only four interceptions after getting picked five times before that. Um, this offense is back, maybe not back to where it was a couple of years ago, but it's back to being one that's they're very hard to defend. They run it. They got three receivers that can catch it. They got the best receiver maybe on the planet as one of those guys, and Ben. Throwing the ball very well right now. This is a, a very difficult matchup. Extremely difficult. And the health of Juju Smith-Schuster, that extra day will probably help him potentially get back in the mix. Vance McDonald, the tight end, I, I think is, is questionable. Those two guys will, will again benefit from, from that extra day. But they've, they've gotten Martavis Bryant to sort of Calm straighten down up and fly up. right. Uh, and, and Antonio Brown is... You know, if his his catch and AJ's catch were one A and one B, yeah. I mean they, they both just do some incredible incredible things, and and the, Antonio Brown, if he's not the best receiver, he's certainly one of the top three. His numbers in the past couple of weeks have been off the charts. They really have. He's been out of his mind good, and then and then you complement that with with their running attack with. With Le'Veon Bell, it's you know this doesn't get any easier. The offensive line for the Steelers, which did have some issues in years past, is extremely good again. 
Um, Offensively, this team doesn't really have a lot of weaknesses and is going to require a huge effort from the Bengals' defense. Yeah, and, and the numbers don't don't belie well. The Bengals on Monday night, I believe, are, what, 18-29, and 29, something like 13-29, rather. Uh, Ben's 13-2 and two against the Bengals in Cincinnati. Um, One of those losses was on Monday night, though. Correct. Marvin Lewis is 8-23 and 23 against Ben. I mean, the numbers <laughs> no. the numbers suggest that the Bengals are in, in a tough spot. So with that said, do you, do you have a, before we get our 17 teaser of the week, do you have a final score prediction? Well, I did want to talk just a bit. I think one of the areas of weakness of the Steeler team is their secondary. They've Well, especially with, with, with Joe, Joe Hayden. Hayden Joe Hayden's out, and that's a big part of it because they have given up some big ticket plays in the past couple weeks. I think in the neighborhood of maybe five, 50-plus yard plays in the past three weeks. Yeah, I mean, Brett Huntley hit him for some big, big deep balls on, Who? on Sunday night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that that I think that is an area uh, of, of emphasis for the Bengals that figure out, and that's that's what the fans, that's, yeah, they, they what, that's com- what Bill and Redding clamors for is throw the ball down the field. Yeah, they, they had completions of 54, 55, 39, and 29. Or 25, rather. Those are some pretty right. big plays. And the week before, whoever, I can't remember who they played the week before, they had some big ticket plays as well. So this is an area of weakness for this team. And Joe Hayden, when he comes back, which will not be against the Bengals, he, he helps solidify that back end. But this is a unit that they've tried to rebuild on the fly that was, that was pretty abysmal a few years ago that they've gotten back up to speed. But this is an area where the Bengals can take advantage. And it may, it may get to a point where you, where you are going to be required to make some big plays in this game because you're down 10, 14, right. something like that. Can you do it? Can you do it? And this this may be the one spot, the one foothold that they could potentially grab in this game because that secondary for the Steelers is has proven in the past couple weeks to be pretty weak. All right, final score prediction. You know, you'd like to you'd like to make everybody happy and say the Bengals are going to get it done. I just don't think they will. Well, I, I think the Bengals fans would, would like them to lose. I think they're they're in misery mode. That's true. That's true. Uh, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say old AJ McCarron. He's a good quarterback. Yeah, let's get let's get AJ. They can, they can win with him. Yeah, let's do that. Shut um, up. <laughs> take. I'm gonna take Steelers. I'll say 31-17. All right, I'll go Steelers 28-23. Okay, so you're a little. That may be because you're doing. I get the back. I you get the uh, you get the late touchdown to make it 28. I can't make logical reasons other than it's. Your back is against the wall. Pittsburgh pretty much has got the division sewn up. Not completely, but kind of, sort of. Do they just go, who? Now, you would think not because there is a rivalry here, and it's a, right. there's, a, there's bad blood here, and it is with the bright lights on, and no one wants to get embarrassed right. on Monday Night Football, and especially. Right. But I, I can't make and logical they, cases for the Bengals. And you may have a better sense of this than I do, and I may just be talking out of my whatever. But there's never... In, in, as far as I can relect, recollect, there's there's never been a game where they've played the Bengals and it's been twenty eight to three after the second quarter. Right, right. They don't. They they sort of impose their will. Yeah. And a lot of the times you think, oh, this is a seven point game, but it's over. But it's still a seven point game. Right. I don't know that they've ever come in and just laid waste to the Bengals the way they have done to other teams. No, you're right. That's fair. So. There is that. So that's why I got 28-23. I'm not <laughs> okay. going with the lane waste portion of it. Okay. All right, time for our 17 teaser of the week where we each have really done well. I've won once. Seven-point teaser. Seven-team teaser. Oh, geez, I couldn't do that. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't, I, I couldn't do that. No, no. Yeah. Seven-point teaser. Three-team, seven-point teaser. I've won one. You've won one. We're really good at this. So to use the Seinfeld philosophy, 
Just whatever we say, go opposite. Go into... Do the exact opposite. Uh, you want me to go first? Or you want to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Yeah, I'll go for it. I've got some some big ticket points here. Um, oh, you already got a loser off the bat, so go ahead. Okay. New England at Buffalo. I'm going to take Buffalo plus sixteen. That's got forty one ten written all over. I just I think this I think, where Tyrod is. Tyrod's Tyrod. I think Buffalo is a tough place to play. I think Tyrod. I think there are some conspiracy theories about when they benched or why they benched Tyrod. I think that they didn't Sorry, think, line of fire? I think they didn't think that they were gonna win that Charger game and thought that they were just gonna sort of let Tyrod have the week off. I think I think sixteen's too many. Okay. I think New England I think at times they struggle I mean Miami kinda hung around with them yeah. this year. This is a team that that I think they win the game, but I think two t- plus two touchdowns is too many. I'm gonna take the winless Cleveland Browns on the road. In a stadium with no home field advantage. Oh, but who knows? Maybe they're getting fever. Uh, One of the hottest teams in the AFC. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm going to take them plus 21. But really, if you look at their schedule, a chance to win out. And if they do, they will win the AFC West. I think everyone's a little too high. I think the Chargers beat it. 41-6. I think the Chargers beat I mean, just, I just made my, my teaser off yours and go everything the opposite. <laughs> I'm going to take Cleveland plus 21 against oh, the Los Angeles Oh, so advised. That's a, that's a boat race waiting to happen. Okay. 21 points is a lot. All right. And? 21 would have uh, got the cover for the Browns against the uh, Bengals. Yeah, well, the Chargers are playing better than the Bengals right now. So. Okay, but they're still the Chargers. Okay. I don't think the Chargers are that great. Seattle, I think this is the first time. I, I think I saw something where this is the first time in, in four or five years where they are more than a three-point underdog at home. At home, right. So They're so banged up. That being, yeah, Kim Chancellor's out, Sherman's but, out. But they keep battling through it. They do. And Russell Wilson, I think, is a is, He might be the MVP. Honestly, good. He's, he's Dude, really it's, good. It's like the backyard. It's like backyard football. He takes the snap and just starts running for his life. He's really good. And I think he's not getting enough. He's being overshadowed by Wentz. But I think no, Wentz has been great, though. Wentz has been very good, but I, I think people are discounting what, what Russell Wilson has done this year. They're taking on Philly, so we're going to see Wentz and and Wilson in the same game. They're getting five and a half, yeah. so I'm going to tease that up to 12. Right, that one I like. I'm, I'm with you there. You're the other two you're losing. I'm just telling okay. you right now you're losing. All right. All right, I'm going to go with the following. I'm going to take the Dolphins at home getting eight against Denver. How Denver is favored over anybody. They wouldn't be favored over Alabama, Auburn, or Georgia right now. They're so damn bad. So I'll take Miami. Even though they Who's, are they bringing Simeon back? I Who knows? They should. Well, her, Lynch, Lynch, Lynch is competent. Lynch is hurt. Oh, he's wild. so bad, too. Just he, I like the fact. How many teams in the NFL have two different quarterbacks on back-to-back weeks throw interceptions into the opponent's end zone? They each got theirs. Osweiler did it with Dre's return, and Lynch had one. It was a batted ball around, but still. Back-to-back weeks, interceptions in the end zone. They're just Yeah, awful. that's that's Deshaun Kaiser territory. Right? Vance Joseph and Hugh Jackson, who are Marvin Lewis, off the Marvin Lewis coaching tree, they have the same look every week. It's the look of, huh? I mean, they're so bewildered of what they're watching, the badness of you what they're You could say coaching. Vance Joseph is no longer having the time of his life. No, he is not. Not at all. No <laughs> chance. I, I will also... Sergio. We need to get Sergio on the podcast. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I wish I could do a Sergio. Imita- yeah, I wish I could do a Sergio invitation. The defense, the diversity okay. of power. What a night back to you guys. This is one of the worst ever. All right, I'll take the Titans taking on the Texans. They're at home. Um, they're giving six and a half. I'm teasing them down to where they just have to win the game. And, right. and th- this is a 
this is a Titans team that probably has this game circled on the schedule after Deshaun Watson. What was that? Like forty-four to yes, six. Correct. Last correct. time they played. Correct. And I'm going to do it. Got to do it. Just oh do boy. It. I'm going to take the Bengals up to twelve and a half against Pittsburgh. I feel good that they will stay in the game. I predicted 28-23 the L. So I'm really safe inside the number. I think they cover the number of, of what's five and a half right now. I think we both took them plus twelve and a half the last time against the Steelers and lost by. Yeah, that was a advised. That was stupid on my part. Exact, this is not the stupid exact on my same line. Right, this is not stupid. You're, on my part. you're just. I think the Bengals are a better team right now and at home, and they're getting the same five and a half they were getting when they okay. played at Pittsburgh before. So there it is. I got Dolphins plus eight. Titans basically is a pick 'em, and the Bengals getting twelve and a half. You've got Buffalo plus sixteen, lose by thirty. Cleveland plus 21, lose by 35. And I do like your Seattle getting 12. How many, how many teams have lost by 35 in the NFL this year? Um, I'll find some. I'll find enough. I think maybe, the, yeah, maybe the Titans to the Texans. That may be the only game. Cleveland's going to get 21 points is way too many points. I agree. Game. Cleveland's going to get torched. Okay. Torched, for goodness sake. Yeah. Right. What, what do you got coming up on Local 12? Local 12, we've got... Um, Bengals Nation, obviously, Saturday night. Tyler Croft is going to be our guest. We're going to have Adam Jones a little later in the year. He just uh, welcomed the birth of his son, so he's moving back. And had a punt return call back. Had it's a not punt return, return call back, which I, I was – I don't know where the penalty was on that. I, I don't either. It was so far away from the play. I, apparently, he did hit him in the back, but not egregiously enough to where you call that penalty. That's no. disappointing. And, and that was one of the shining moments – for James Lofton in that broadcast. I'm glad I missed that. Yeah. My favorite was when he said that it, it, you want, well, on AJ's fantastic catch, it's almost as if you need your hands and your feet to catch the ball. That checks out, Skinny. I don't know. I did the homework on that. He's right. Um, anyway, Bengals Nation. Uh, the, the, you need your feet to complete the catch, but not to catch it. But to catch a ball, you need your, your hands and your feet. No, I don't think you do. I think you need your feet to complete the catch if you want to go semantics. Okay, steps. how about this? To run down the field and be in position to catch you the ball, you need your feet. You need your hands, hands to catch hands it. and your feet. Yeah, I'm not sure I've seen a receiver. Maybe it's happened. Actually, what's his face caught a two point conversion the other day with his with his knees? I think his point was yeah. is that you need to have your feet in bounds and possess the ball. Oh, so your feet in bounds are the key to this. Yeah, that was a great catch. For the record, that was that's as good as your I'm shocked that Hugh Jackson challenged it. Yeah, I, I, I was too because it was pretty clear. If you I mean, saw how many catches? Play. How many catches of those did he see? Yeah, on that sideline to know. Uh, yeah, yeah, he probably, probably did. Yeah, I've seen him do that before. Okay, Bengals Nation Sports Authority. We're going to start. Uh, well, college basketball. Yes, it'll be a big. Ranks. It'll be a big uh, crosstown shootout after. Uh, the game on Saturday. Rick, with, Rick, uh, Boring, Rick Boring and Chad Bendel. Love those guys. Love those guys. Big fans. Big fans. Seeing Rick every Sunday, or really now on the weekends, has, has really, you know, they say a, a high tide raises all boats. Yeah, there's no Just way. his presence in the, in the newsroom I, I would concur. has really made things brighter I would for us. His friendship with Dwayne Pullman, which no, should be its own boys. separate podcast, boys, yeah. I think should be... Uh, Called the should, Gun to Your Head podcast. <laughs> It's certainly been uh, it's certainly been something to see. So th- we'll have those guys on on the Sports Authority as always. Dave Lapham will be on the Sports Authority. We're going to break down some plays from the previous game against the Steelers. Some plays that he thinks are important yeah. to look at. Yep. So we'll do all that. And um, Luke, no more Luke Fickle show. So 
And you'll be up in Canton for some of this weekend, correct? I'll be up in Canton on Thursday for Wenton Woods as they look for uh, the Division II state title. we got a lot of them. We've got Beachwood going for a title. We've got Cubcats going for a title. We've got Clinton Massey going for a title. We've got Woods going for a title. We've got Central won a title. Already secured their title in Indiana, so this could be a, uh, a banner weekend. I think, really, the two teams in Kentucky, I mean, unless they don't get off the bus. Correct. That's going to be... You know, foregone conclusion. I think I'm doing the Clinton Massey game for Spectrum Sports, so I get a chance to see them against Stuart. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I think the two games that, that are in Ohio are going to be dog fights. Yep. Dog fights. So we'll look forward to that as well. All right. You can catch my podcast as well with Chad Brendel and Rick Boring. Boring, sorry. Rick Boring of Musketeer Report and Bearcat Journal. We actually have a podcast up, as you're probably listening to this, on the Crosstown Shootout. And we'll actually be back on Sunday night to do another one to recap uh, the shootout. And then we'll have our regular weekly podcast. Uh, the following week, starting up in January in conference time, we'll have a twice-a-week podcast there for you. So make sure to be listening for that and seeing that on Local12.com. For Jeff and Music, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for listening to today's Skinny Podcast, the Bengals edition.